Amber, have you heard of the legend of Davy Jones's locker? Davy Jones' locker? Yes. It is said that the locker is a dark place at the bottom of the ocean that becomes the final resting place for all things lost at sea. Is that where all our unpublished episodes are? It is. But as sailors that are still above water, do you know what we're going to do? Are we going down there to rescue them? Of course. But first, we drink. Cheers to all our lost episodes. Cheers to all our lost episodes. Veterans Drinking Vodka presents From the Locker of Davy Jones. Welcome to this episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka. Amanda is not with us today, so I will make everyone aware that I'm on day 63 of drinking water. I have 27 days to go and still my 90 days are up, which originally started as 75, so I'm kind of proud of that. Y'all are just stuck with my voice tonight, except for our guest. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> He's here to make me not sound stupid. <laughs> oh man. We believe that every veteran has stories to tell and we are here to tell them. We have found that being a service member might have been easy, but being a veteran can be hard. In this episode, we are talking to Jesse Morgan. Jesse served in the United States Marine Corps. From 2005 to 2012 as an 0-431 logistics and and embarkation specialist. Did I say that right? Embarkation, yes. Embarkation, all right. How are you doing today, Jesse, and what are you drinking? I'm doing good, and I've got a little bit of uh, Mountain Dew and some Fireball. Fireball. Is it regular Mountain Dew? Yeah. We've recently, all right, we've recently discovered that there are flavors of Mountain Dew. Yes, a real good one is the uh, the watermelon one. And that's what we've heard. I think the watermelon Mountain Dew has been on the show. Get some of that and some uh, watermelon vodka and oh, a spritzer there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, will probably give that a try. I'm into all the vodkas, so... We've talked about this before, but the Baja Blast from Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought it looked like Windex. And I feel like, and I don't think I've ever uh, mixed vodka in it, but I believe that it would probably be really delicious. The way you got to drink it with the Baja Blast is the fountain drinks instead of out of like a can or a bottle. Right. Just something with the syrup just makes it taste better. Right. I love, I prefer fountain drinks over bottles or cans any day of the week and then get some of that Sonic ice. Cause that's oh, the yeah. best kind of ice there is. Yes. <laughs> we would like to give a huge thanks to Rafa 180. Rafa 180 offers pure medicinal CBD and products made locally. They walk alongside individuals to achieve a healthy lifestyle. 
with options needed by each person. You can learn more about them on Facebook at Rafa CBD, their website www.rafa180.com or email at rafacbd at gmail.com. They truly believe your journey matters. All right, Jeffy, so where are you from? And can you tell us a little bit about how your story got started? So I am I moved back to my hometown. Well, kind of my hometown. I grew up in Calag, Idaho, just a couple hours away from Seattle. Well, it's like six hours, seven hours. So you're up in the singing. Up in the panhandle. I'm maybe <laughs> three hours from the Canadian border. Oh, okay. So... um. Going through high school, I was in uh, Marine Corps ROTC, and a lot of my buddies, they wanted to go in the Army, and so I was like, hey, I'll just go with the Army, and so I talked to a recruiter, and my Marine Corps ROTC instructor is like, what are you doing? You're a dumbass. You already know Marine Corps history. Why are you wanting to relearn everything for the Army? So just go with the Marine Corps. You already know it. You've been in for four years for ROTC. Just go to the Marine Corps. So the recruiter came in, I took his card, I called him and well, I did a year in the debt program. And then I went to uh, MCRD San Diego in 2005. All right. That's a Hollywood Marine case. Anyone is unfamiliar with that. Uh, So I feel like your ROTC instructor had like a side side hustle with the Marine (laughs) recruiter. He, he, I think he did because uh, a lot of us did, did go into the Marine Corps. Totally a little side hustle. Hey, if you give me five people and I get this bonus um, for recruiting X amount of people, I'll hook you up with like 10%. I can hear the conversation now. I bet. (laughs) So you told us why you joined the Marine Corps. What made you decide to be the logistics? Call it a what? We're called embarkers. Embarkers. Okay. What made you decide to be an embarker? So when I went through maps and did all that, did my uh, um, all my testing, and well, they gave me my results back, and they're like, "Well, you can pick of a range of these many jobs." I don't remember what my ASPAB score was, but they gave me a a good list of jobs, and they said, "I told them, I said, well, I want to travel." I want to work inside and outside, kind of have the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, we'll go through logistics training, you know, and logistics training kind of consists of like, um, like mine was the the embarkation. So I did like the behind the scenes stuff of the deployment. So I got all the, um, the cargo ready, all the gear ready and loaded it onto the the ships, the helicopters, the airplanes and so I was actually able to travel with that more than a lot of other jobs. So that's why I decided to go with that. I don't blame you. I don't, I have an office job now, but I get to go out on home visits. And so I'm not stuck in an office, but since COVID, they have taken away our home visits. And so just, and I'm working from home. So like being in one place all the time. Yeah. So, that's why like I picked the the being the logistics and embarkation was they were like, oh hey, you can travel, you can go see Spain, you can go see Japan, you don't have to necessarily be attached to a Marine Corps unit because it's a universal job that you can get sent out with the army if they need one or whatever. Nice. 
So he he talked a good game, and I I fell for a hook line and sinker, and <laughs> they always do. They must have had a a need for that that some yeah. quota needed to get filled. So speaking of being able to go places, what were your duty stations, and did you have a favorite one? So I went to MCRD San Diego for boot camp, and then I went to Camp Pendleton for combat training, the uh, MCT. And then I went from California all the way to North Carolina to um, Camp Johnson. It's just south of Camp Lejeune. It's kind of attached yep. to it. It's, it's the asshole of Camp Lejeune. <laughs> I mean, Camp Lejeune isn't really like the greatest place in the world anyway. <laughs> no, the only the only perk about like Camp Johnson was that's where the first um, first black Marines had their boot camp. So oh. there's a lot of history there. Little history lesson we got going on. Well, let's let's where's the joint? Let's cheers to a little history lesson, Camp Johnson. Cheers. Yep. Oh, that fireball. <sighs> Gotta love it. And then uh, went from Camp Johnson. I was stuck there for I think eight months because it took so long for my class to pick up for training. And my class was only a month long. Did you go to the beach? Yes. Topsail? I uh, went to Topsail. We, I went down to Myrtle Beach, up to Emerald Isle, Atlantic Beach, pretty much up and down the North Carolina coast. Yeah. The North Carolina has some pretty beaches. Yeah. I will, I used to live in Wilmington. I wasn't a big, huge fan of Carolina Beach. The water is warmer on the East Coast than it is versus the West Oh, Carolina. yes. Oh, yes, it is. But I used to travel to uh, Topsail when I lived in Wilmington. I took the extra drive to go. I, I liked that beach a whole lot more than any of the. I, I just felt like, yeah, there was a military presence, but it wasn't as touristy as Carolina Beach or yeah. whatever. The mother, I don't even know because I didn't go. After, after North Carolina. Well, I went from Camp Johnson up to Cherry Point. So an hour drive north. <laughs> And that's where I stayed for seven years. I hope you weren't all excited to go somewhere. <laughs> no, it. I was pretty. I was. I was pissed because they're like, "Oh well, pick your wish list." You know, uh, West Coast, East Coast, or Japan. And so I was like, "Well, I'm from the West Coast, so uh, West Coast, West Coast, Japan." Well, they're like, "Oh well, you're going to Cherry Point. It's here's a bus ticket. That's where you're going." <laughs> And they gave you a big fuck you. They did. I'm surprised well, they didn't even give you Japan for a year. No. They they said mm-hmm. the quotas were full, that they, they needed more up at Cherry Point. And so I went to Cherry Point and my first unit I was with a communication squadron. And then my second unit, I they are a uh, unmanned aircraft, so the little remote control drones. Yeah. How much preparation did you have to do for them? A lot, actually, because really, um, well, for one, so for one UAV, it consisted of for the entire system consisted of six Humvees, three tra- and like three or four trailers. Oh wow! Everything. Wow, that yeah. per, and that's just for one. Oh damn. Yeah. So then you were a little bit busy while you were there. Yes. So we have a million dollar question. 
you've listened to the show, so you should know what I'm about to ask you. I feel like I know the answer. I always feel like I know the answer, but that's because there's only one answer that anyone should ever give. West Coast is the best coast. All right. Woo! I I seriously, you know, the West Coast is the best coast. The beaches and the water are better on the East Coast, but I prefer West Coast military over East Coast military any day. I mean, the people, I'm not, I'm not a big city pit person, so that, that's kind of got me there. Yeah, yes. I, I'm not really either. Country boy kind of person. That's why you're up in that tiny little panhandle of Idaho. <laughs> yep. I You didn't say your favorite. I mean, you didn't have like a plethora to choose from. I really didn't, know. I mean, well, well, did you prefer Camp Johnson or Cherry Point? Oh, I like Cherry Point. Don't get me wrong. But with my units, I was able to go to Georgia, South Carolina, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona. I got to see a lot in states. And then I deployed in 2007. So I got to go to uh, Kuwait. We stopped in Ireland. Of course, Iraq. Yeah. And then just a couple places over there. So I did get to travel with the Marine Corps. And then when we got the the Liberty call, so we had our extended weekends, our 96s or whatever, I would just go on and go up to New York or go to Virginia, or I went and saw family in Indiana. So went and seen West Virginia, um, Tennessee, all that stuff. So I got to travel. I mean, that was a big plus. One of the things that I have appreciated since I was in and in since I've been out is being able to travel within the United States. And there, there are some, I mean, I'm in Texas. I love Texas the most in, in Texas itself. There's some pretty places, but this country, I mean, has absolutely everything that you could ever want to have in one location. And it's really Nice to be able to see that and experience different things, even at home. And a lot of people don't realize what's out there because they're just so closed-minded. Right. Yep. All right, Devil Dog. Let's hear your active duty story. So my best one that I got, well, I got a few of them, but my best one, I was deployed to Iraq in 2007, and I had been there for probably four months and my commanding officer comes up to me and says, Hey, you're busting your ass. You're the logistics chief out here. You're making sure because we had, I think two or three different fobs underneath our unit. And they said, why don't you go on a R and R vacation to Qatar? It's three or four or it's four days there. And then you come back and you can drink. That's the, that's the thing that sold me. I was 19 and they're like, you can go to Qatar and you can drink. So I feel like the Marine Corps lied to you your entire career, like before you even officially joined. Right. <laughs> anyway, and so they sent me to Qatar. It was me and one another data guy. And so we're there having fun, went and saw the town. And on day three, you're supposed to go and check in for your flight for to fly out on day four. Well, I went and checked in late that afternoon and 
the gal looked at my ID card and she's just like, oh shit. Cause she was looking at her computer, looked at my ID card and she's like, they messed up on your flight. And I'm like, what do you mean? Cause I know how to do all the manifests on who to get sent to and whatnot. And right. they said, well, your manifest going back to Iraq is actually got mixed up and is going back to the United States as human remains. Oh, oh so, it's not funny, but what the fuck? <laughs> so I was technically dead for four days to the Marine wow. Corps. And they, so they had to send it up to headquarters Marine Corps and get it all fixed. And so I got to stay in Qatar for an extra four days. And well, they figured, well, they brought you back to life from your, from my vacation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, some vacation. <laughs> yep. And so instead of getting on a, like a, a C-17, they put us on a C-130 to Baghdad. At the time in Baghdad, it's supposed to be full flat Kevlar rifle because combat zone. Right. We didn't have none of that. All, all they said is, Hey, we're dropping off a couple Humvees and, some big pallets for the troops. And then we're just literally flying out. You guys don't even need to get out of the plane. Well, they offload all the Humvees and the cargo. And then we were instructed to get off the plane and into one of the buildings at the flight line. And Toby Keith is standing there, him and his dog He's doing the USO tour. And I hear these, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And this boot lieutenant say, no, they're getting kicked off their plane. Toby Keith has taken it to Al-Assad. And I'm like, okay, but sorry, we're not equipped for Baghdad at the time. And Toby Keith was like, no, I want to ride with the troops. That's why I'm out here. So this boot lieutenant was like, no, you're getting your own plane. These guys can wait here. Well, this, uh, like, like master guns or... Yeah, it was Master Guns. He pulled the the boot lieutenant into an office and just started reaming his ass like it was going out of style. And it was just hilarious. And so we had to sit there for another eight hours trying to get a flight from Baghdad to Al-Assad. And finally, we got a flight and we got back into Al-Assad and I got back to my uh, my building just in time to catch the bus to go to the Toby Keith concert. That's so awesome. So you, did you get to fly with him? No, because the lieutenant said, no, he's flying by himself. Just Toby Keith and his dog. And the rest of the, the troops that were on the the plane had to wait in the building until we could get another flight out. But cheers to Toby Keith. Cheers. I mean, bro. cheers to Toby Keith. He does a lot for the military. What an R&R four-day I get to drink R&R trip that turned into... Yeah. I'm dead for four days and I'm dead <laughs> coming back to life, getting to almost fly with Toby Keith. You did get to fly on my favorite airplane. So I'm a little jealous about that. I'm probably more jealous about that than Toby Keith. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got to shake his hand and meet his dog and everything. So yeah, it's like, yeah. Like, uh, I like the whole Toby Keith part. So that was yeah. fun. You lived up to a Marine Corps story. 110 percent it was a good story it was it was almost perfect good not not almost it was pretty perfect oh cheers to your story well you're drinking fireball so cheers well i got a better one for you so we came back from iraq 
And it was right in the middle of hurricane season because it was October. And I think it's like October to like middle of November is hurricane season. Mm-hmm. So we're out in the foyer drinking. And then all of a sudden we hear sirens because we're at the barracks. And it's pouring ass rain down. And we're drunker than shit. I'm underage. So we go out the parking lot, out to the middle of the road, and look down the road probably three blocks, and the general's building's on fire. Oh, shit. And we're out there with bottles of alcohol hooting and hollering and, I mean, drunk as shit. And (laughs) so we ended up nicknaming that Hurricane Melvin 3000. Got to throw a drinking story in there. Always have a... I was like, you know, it's hurricane parties and people like in Florida... People who don't live in Florida or on the Gulf, and they think we're crazy when we want to have hurricane parties. Like, no, y'all don't understand. <laughs> we are out there ready to go. Screw the food. Go get the booze and your poncho yep. liner if you can fly. Yep. Hur- the hurricane parties are a real thing, and they're real fun. Oh, yeah. All right, Jesse. So eventually, though, dying for four days and coming back to life, meeting country music stars traveling around the country seeing different places in the world has to end and we have to leave the service and become veterans what was your transition into veteran life like it was it was tough because the marine corps sets you up for steps and taps and i think they're like a couple hours a day for a week Honestly, it was bullshit, you know? I think I learned more from people that had gotten out and said, hey, this is what to expect from what the classes told me. Yeah. One day, hopefully, this podcast changes the world for people getting out of the military and TAPS class vanishes and something replaces it. I mean, it would be more more helpful if they gave you the knowledge instead of saying, hey, this is how you write a resume. Okay, what do I put on my resume? I know how to load a helicopter. I know how to load a plane. Well, I got back to my unit and my gunny was like, hey, here's an old resume I did. And it's pretty much identical to the same stuff you've done your entire career. Why not just here? Use this as a reference to learn how to write a resume. That's pretty awesome. It's so good. I've said it a million times. I'll say it again right now. Your leadership while you're in, when you get out is so important and really can make or break your career as a, as an active duty member or as a veteran, having someone who's going to support you that's been through shit is a big deal. So you got that resume to go off of and then what? Well, I got medically discharged honorably because I messed my back up, my knees up. And I mean, typical Marine shit, you know? Right. I got out and one of my buddies, he was like, hey, come move to Florida with me because that's where he's from. He's like, you can crash on my couch. You can crash in the kids' room. Move to Florida. So I got out, got my severance check, and I moved to Florida for like four months. And I went down to Daytona Beach for Biketoberfest. That was awesome. Oh, went yeah. to uh, the the Gulf and swam in the ocean there and 
The golf is a lot better than both East Coast and West Coast combined, though. I do got to say the golf yeah. is beautiful. The East side of the golf is beautiful. Yes. Pensacola, the West side of Florida. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I went down towards Panama and it was just gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then so once I got settled in Florida, I was I was loving December and it's 80 degrees out. And my parents are like, hey, we have like three feet of snow. My wife now, she's, we kept, we've kept in touch throughout because we're high school sweethearts. So we kept in touch while I was in the Marine Corps and getting out. And I was supposed to surprise my family for Christmas. And well, the day I was supposed to fly in, they were actually going to my aunt's house in Montana. And so I would have completely missed them. And so my wife was like, well, why don't you just move back here? There's nothing holding you there. Just you're going to fly up here and you're going to be like, well, shit, you just wasted 600 bucks on a plane ticket to drive back up here. Just move back up here. You got your family, your friends are here. So I called my mom and I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about moving back. And my mom's like, yeah, that's a good idea. But let's wait till springtime when it's nicer weather. That way there's no snow. And so I was like, okay. So I called my dad and my dad's like, okay, well, I'll see you tomorrow. He, he wanted me to come home anyway. He was ready now. So he's like, you can just leave tonight and I'll see you tomorrow. Well, 3000 miles later. And I made that trip in like three and a half days from Florida to North Idaho. And it was, it was a long trip. Oh yeah. So yeah, I've been back ever since it was December December 13th, 2012 was when I got back up here to Idaho. Oh, nice. How is your mental health? Um, it depends on the day. I have my good days and I have my bad days. And I've learned to not be down on myself about having a bad day. And I know this sounds weird and I don't know if it's stupid or whatever, but one of my favorite movies for the longest time was Roadhouse. And whenever Patrick Swayze says, just be nice, I, I say that all the time, just be nice. And so that's kind of always in the back of my mind. So I'm always trying to have a smile to make other people happy. And when they're happy, I'm happy. So it makes my day go better and try and stay away from the negativity. Yeah. I mean, that's super, super important, especially if you're not in the best mental health status and you're having a bad day and then that negativity, it almost seems to find you sometimes. And you're like, deep breath. Tomorrow's going to be a new day. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still, I do have my night terrors, my PTSD flashbacks, but like when me and my wife first started living together, we were living in an apartment complex and she wouldn't tell me that I wake up screaming in the middle of the night, looking for my rifle, looking for my flak, my Kevlar. And I, she wouldn't tell me nothing. She just, Hey, said, Hey, you had a rough night. I'm not, I'm just going to leave it at that. Well, apparently the neighbor upstairs came and knocked on our door and said, Hey, asked my wife, Hey, is everything okay? Is, is it domestic violence? Are you okay? And she said, no, he was in the Marine Corps for seven years deployed, saw a bunch of crap that he probably shouldn't have seen. So he he has PTSD and night terrors and kind of explain the situation that way the neighbors uh-huh. understand a little better. 
Yeah. I think that having the support at home, but then especially in an apartment complex, I mean, you see these people every day, they hear what's going on because sometimes those apartment walls are too thin, but to, to allow them to have that understanding so that no, they don't have to call the cops because some shit went down in the middle of the night and they don't know what it was or to maybe have that knowledge of, of respect. If there is things going on in the neighborhood or at the apartment complex, or they want to do things that maybe they know are triggers in a general aspect to, to have that idea of, okay. Or if they see you sitting in your, in your truck one day and they're like, my neighbor's been sitting in there for an awfully long time. Maybe I should just go say, Hey, yeah. Make sure he knows that that someone's here. So that that's awesome that she was able to do that and had that comfort level to allow other people to know too, just in case it's a positive thing. Yeah. After that happens, she's like, we need to find a house to rent. So <laughs> just that way we don't have the <clears throat> mistakes from nosy right. neighbors. Right, so- right, right. So we found a house to rent and then we wanted to get a dog. And so I told her, I said, okay, this is what kind of dog I want. And she's like, well, I want a puppy. And I was like, well, I want a pit bull. And so we kind of meshed together to find out our perfect dog. And we went down to a shelter. It was probably an hour away in the middle of a blizzard to go get a dog. And that dog is our best friend since then in He's not a service dog, but whenever I have my night terrors or PTSD flashbacks, he'll come and he'll nudge me like he wants to go outside. That way I get up and I kind of snap out of it and he's not trained at all. He just, I guess, senses it. So that's pretty, I got to give it to the dog sometimes too. Oh yeah. Mine is, um, well, one of mine, my big baby, he's laying right here next to me and I think when he has bad days, he needs his mommy. So he yeah. comes and chills with me. And when I have bad days, he knows too, and he'll come and chill with me. So, and I'm not having a bad day. So it must be he had a bad day because he's in here. I say it's also pretty late where you're at. It is late. It's bedtime. Oh, it's fixing to be bedtime. So how is your life right now? Honestly, it's really good. I've learned to cope with the bad days and praise the good days. And on my bad days, I, I really lean hard on my wife because she's, she's my rock. She's my kryptonite. She's what makes me want to do good in life. Yeah. That's awesome. If I'm not talking to my wife, I'm talking to my military friends or I'm talking to the vet talk on TikTok, or I've got, Marine Corps friends that I've never met through Facebook groups or army friends that I've never met through the groups and just put on their, Hey, having a bad day. And you look 20 minutes later and there's 500 comments of, Hey, I'm here. I got your six, you know? Yeah. We are a pretty powerful group of people. Yeah. That, um, we might not be a large percentage of the population, but I guarantee you we will make up for that in our loyalty to to our fellow veterans. 
All right, Jesse, advice for anybody who's fixing to get out or maybe they're a veteran and needs somebody somewhere to go, some type of guidance, what you got? Well, if you want a good meal, come to my house. My wife's got her culinary degree, so I got you there. I'm on my way. <laughs> uh, road trip, right? So I am. I do have plans for the PNW one day, so I guess I could swing through Idaho. Yeah. For active duty getting out now, um, reach out to people that are in your area to figure out what kind of jobs there are. Because when I moved back here and I started to submit my resume to different places, they gave me the uh, the spill of you're too qualified, even though all I had was seven years in the Marine Corps. And so, of course, I got this podunk uh, security guard gig. Just like what military person doesn't get a security guard gig? And I even had one of those, too. <laughs> but it was for the city of Dallas. So. It wasn't too potent. Mine was for a uh, essential metal refinery. So reach out, see what kind of jobs there are with this pandemic right now. Still find out who's hiring, what the uh, qualifications are, and try and better yourself to get those qualifications. If you're still in, try and get the um, tactical vehicle license because you can transition it to the civilian world and get your CDL, they'll just literally hand it to you. You won't have to take the test, take the driving test because you're already pre-qualified in the military to drive all the big rigs. I did not know that. So that's really helpful advice. That's, that's one thing I learned for any veterans now, just take it day by day and just know that there's always somebody that will be there for you, whether it's two o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the afternoon, or any time in between, or just somebody to say, hi, I'm here for you, will brighten somebody's day up so much. And I think it's important that sometimes when we're down and we get lost in, in those feelings and, and in those bad days, and it's hard to remember that. There are a lot of people that can have your back, no matter what. And uh, I mean, I've been a part of my uh, my local VFW chapter since the day I put boots on ground on uh, MCRD San Diego. So they've always sent me newsletters and emails and letters while I was deployed and stuff like that. So I know I have the VFW to also turn back on if I need to. Amanda would be so proud right now. She loves VFW. Cheers to Amanda. Well, cheers to Amanda and cheers to the VFW. I will do that. Cheers. Freaking fireball. I don't know how she'd feel about you drinking fireball, though. Well, it was either fireball or my uh, my root beer vodka that I make. Um, my address. I'll, I'll email it to you so I can get a hookup on that. All right, Jesse. If our listeners wanted to continue this conversation, share stories, or get a hold of you for any reason, where and how can they find you? So I'm pretty much on all the social media stuff. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn at Jesse Morgan. It'll be me in a nice blue shirt. You can find me on Facebook, Jesse Morgan. I'm probably my Facebook picture is probably some something me doing retarded. I mean, that's just how I am. 
Um, I'm, I'm on Instagram. You can look me up at USMC Freak 5 And you can find me on TikTok at uh, JMO556. Awesome. We will put that in the show notes. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us. If you like our podcast, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Amazon, iHeartRadio, or wherever you choose to listen to your podcast. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. As always, the reason why Amanda and I started this podcast was to not only share veteran stories and to network with other veterans, but to bring about the fact that 22 veterans kill themselves every day. And 22 is 22 too many. One is too many. And you are never alone. Veterans Drinking Podcast. Cheers.